1: Good to have you with us. I mean, I really had a chance to introduce ourselves here on the Believe Podcast Network's Jeff DeForest <laughs> and Mike Luby-Lubitz, a couple of uh, radio-wandering minstrels uh, having just gotten canned recently from an 11-year run with uh, I Radio in Miami. And we've introduced ourselves with a couple of interviews, so you kind of get the vibe of what the podcast is all about. Uh, the great John Feinstein. We didn't have to do much. On that John Feinstein interview, Mike Levy-Lewitz, he was brilliant talking about the Washington football team. He hates the organization. Dan Snyder despises. uh, He uh, sees red as soon as he sees any copy written about Dan Snyder. And he thought the uh, whole Washington football team investigation, which ultimately led to... I mean, the only guy that suffered any consequences of any significance was John Gruden. Which is odd, because he wasn't with the team, and uh, you will remember... Dan Snyder showing up at that press conference. Remember they had uh, a rush press conference to announce that they had a new head coach? And uh, they, uh, you know, were in wild anticipation that John Gruden was going to be announced as the head coach of the Washington Redskins, as they were known at the time. And Snyder comes rushing into the press conference. And just as the uh, PR guy is introducing uh, his brother, John Gruden's brother, uh Here comes Snyder in there, and uh, the PR guy says, and we'd like to welcome his new head coach of the Washington Redskins, and we're so happy about this move, Jay Gruden. <laughs> and, and Snyder comes in with his entourage following him behind him, uh, as if they were just like uh, a bunch of people uh, drafting him behind John Gotti as he walked into a courtroom there. And uh, in stunned disbelief, uh, Snyder starts screaming from his knees, I said, John! <laughs> I said, John! Well... Which uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, they ended up uh, sustaining a relationship uh, with the organization. John Gruden being the uh, favorite uh, choice, and uh, you know, Jay Gruden didn't do much good, right? You had taken him where off the fields of the Arena Football League. Yes, that, yeah, it's a rinky-dink game, but he really knows what he's doing. They're putting up everybody puts up sixty in the Arena Football League. Uh. The field is uh, thirty yards long, and uh, it's uh, as wide as the Grand Canyon. And uh, all they do is score and, and banging the fences there. How, how do they not have more uh, devastating injuries in the Arena Football League? Do they still play that, or is that uh, coming under the heading of cruel and unusual punishment?
2: I, yeah, I don't know. If that's, that's like the days in
1: Brooklyn, Lubie, when we used to play football in the streets, and you would crash into, a, you know, the hood of a car. And at that time, in the fifties, when I was growing up, fifties and sixties, uh, the cars had hood ornaments. so you would end up getting two minutes for spearing (laughs) it was was ugly but uh how how do they do that i mean did they still have arena league football is that still big it was big in orlando florida Uh, we're here in the state of florida the sunshine state and uh wasn't that like a a giant hit with with the hillbillies in orlando arena football tampa also did they have a team no i don't know who had a team in the arena we had one briefly
2: i think both had one yep yep it was a big deal in like central florida
1: Central Florida, where uh, a lot of really boring things are a big deal, like Disney World. It's a small world, after all. Anyway, we want to introduce ourselves, uh, and it's good to get a chance, because we had a couple of interviews. And and, then we couldn't turn down the possibility of talking to Cody Rhodes. Yes. Because of my just uh, intense adulation and admiration for his father, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Professional wrestler, a lot of people around the country. Every region has its own... Wrestling, does it not? And then there was, of course, the WWE, which, you know, had had taken over the game there. And and beyond the scope of anybody's wildest imagination, you think you could have got Mark Cuban on Shark Tank to invest two bucks with Vince McMahon in the WWE when he first said, I'm going to make this an international success? (laughs) Probably not. You had a bunch of uh, steroid-laced uh, animals, the likes of which you wouldn't see on the World's Strongest Men. Uh, they were checking out <laughs> right and left at 35. Now, who cared anymore about a snap mare coming off the top rope? Nobody. Nobody cared about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, sure enough, uh, it became li- like the uh, biggest possible thing. But uh, everybody had their own region. And when I first moved to Florida from Los Angeles, now Los Angeles, it was big to get like a Mexican guy. To be a champion. If you had a Mexican wrestling champion, and uh, I can't remember the name. You know who was doing a ring announcing for professional wrestling there, which was conducted once a week at the Olympic Auditorium? They had great boxing every Thursday night at the Olympic Auditorium, and that's uh, how how I got involved in boxing coverage. Originally, was going down to the Olympic uh, once a week when I lived in L.A., and I was a reporter for the Ontario Daily Report, also known as the Daily Distort, (laughs) whose motto was yesterday's news tomorrow. I mean, uh, what else would it be? And hey, did Dodgers win last night? Nah, I don't know. Our deadline was midnight. Wouldn't be uh, able to uh, get the score in from that afternoon game uh, yesterday, uh, which was a uh, sensation. But uh, the ring announcer for the wrestling in Los Angeles was the great Jimmy Lennon Sr. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really needing no introduction around the world. Used to say, uh, the world over, the world over, this guy, this Mexican heavyweight could walk into a restaurant in Thailand and everybody would go, whoa. That's Killer Kowalski. Unbelievable. But, uh no, no, uh, great, great stuff, uh what was taking place last night. Uh, a pleasure to be with you guys. And uh, uh the Believe Podcast Network, uh, you know, we had the chance to talk to Cody Rhodes. Dusty was such a hero here. I mean, this was a fat guy with, with a big ass. I mean, more cellulite than Russell Crowe displayed when he ran out of the dungeon there in the Gladiator movie. Right? Did they ever zero in on Crowe's legs? No, not one time. Not the back. Right? <laughs> he runs kind of in a funny fashion also, but, uh, no, nonetheless, uh, I mean, and, and he, he talked with a lisp. And, and as uh, Cody Rhodes mentioned on the program yesterday, nothing against people with lisps. We don't get in any, is there a society of lisps? I don't know. Probably, uh, you know, people afflicted yeah. with lisps. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm starting to talk like I have a lisp here exactly. uh, on the podcast, just thinking about it, right? It's subliminal.
0: <laughs> like a lot of things that we do here on the show.
1: I, I don't know what he's talking about, but I don't get it either. OK. Uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes was a hero of mine because uh, when I first moved to Florida, I-, I started hanging out with a couple of guys and uh, they-, they were huge fans. We used to get together every Saturday at 12 noon and watch championship wrestling from Florida. I'm the great Gordon Sully. And he would pronounce himself as the great. I and love he was great. I'm the great. <laughs> up crazy. there, up there with any of the giants of the broadcast broadcast industry that you can immediately identify as soon as you hear the guy's voice, Vince Scully, you know you're listening to a Dodger game, right? Marv Albert. Yep. It's got to be the Knicks or Rangers. Uh, I mean, uh, it has to be uh, some kind of New York team. Yeah. And with Gordon Sully, it was championship wrestling from Florida. Let me tell you, uh, the situation with the Iron Sheik has uh, exploded. And uh, it figures to play itself out later on, uh, as he will be in the co-feature match today. And, of course, we have the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. So Dusty was great. And he would come in there. And I, I don't know. Cody said he was a brilliant athlete. Luby, were you buying it, Cody Rhodes, on the uh, interview we had yesterday here on Believe?
2: Yeah they talk he, people have done that where you've made fun of Dusty for not being an athlete and people will say for his size he was a big fat <laughs> he, bag he was of club
1: af- I mean uh,
2: <laughs> he was more athletic he was he looked like Terry size.
1: Forster when he came out of the bullpen <laughs> there when David Letterman started taking shots <laughs> at the guy <laughs> This was the American dream? (laughs) That's what you're trying to convince me. Only in pro wrestling would they have the audacity or in uh, right-wing politics would they have the audacity to say, you know what, that thing that happened on January 6th, that was a good thing.
2: (laughs) Oh, okay. I'll
1: buy that. Unbelievable. But uh, anyway, so uh, we had the interviews, and we didn't get a chance to talk to you guys. uh, And uh, it was a brilliant day in sports yesterday. And, And this is some of what we do and will be doing on the Believe Podcast Network. We also have an interview uh, with Eleanor Lambert, the actress Eleanor Lambert, I think she enjoyed the uh, conversation. Yeah, that, yeah, that we had it was with her. great that talking to her and she today.
2: being the daughter of Diane Lane and Christopher Lambert. Uh, movie Time Now coming out October 26th in theaters and on demand. It was fun talking to her, and you guys will get to you guys and gals will get to listen to that conversation coming up next. It has to
1: be a real curveball coming on our show,
2: <laughs> but everyone's always really. a, a surprised by excitement. They're not usually like, "What the hell is this?" So you're like, "Oh, this is different! Yay!" Which is a good thing.
1: I think she would have stuck with us, but, uh, you know, the PR people were uh, putting piano air around (laughs) her and saying, mention a movie, mention a movie. She
2: kept going. (laughs) I believe you guys will enjoy that
1: conversation uh, coming up with uh, Eleanor Lambert uh, here on the program. All all right, uh, I I was a big fan of the Dodgers and Fernando Mania. One of the years I was living out in Los Angeles as a sports writer, Fernando Mania was taking place with the great Fernando Valenzuela, and there was nothing more exciting. And I've mentioned this many times in any broadcast I've been a part of, uh, the Dodgers always, uh, will be remembered by me as being a first class, at that time, a first class organization. You know what it's like. Yep. I, I know you, you don't want to, you know, necessarily ruin your relationship with the local teams here in South Florida, whom we depend on to feed us guests from time to time. Hey, can we get Pat Riley on a show? Mm. No, no, Pat Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Not the plumber. <laughs> the president. Oh, no, we get a lot of good people on the program because uh, in South Florida, we've been broadcasting uh, in South Florida for like 40 years, and we got to know everybody, and we got to know a lot of the people when they were kind of on their way up. Yep. Ruby, you didn't unfortunately experience as much of that as I was able to, which was a great part of my life, but uh, you have become sort of familiar with it from the many people and conversations we've had with great people, including uh, the great Don Shula, Dan Marino, and uh, all of the uh, great uh, and uh, universally known athletes that, that have been here in town and uh you know it, it was great to uh, get to know uh, all of these people but uh it uh you know it was a fascinating day in sports and the dodgers organization will always be remembered by me because uh, they, they were great people to know and uh i i got to uh sit down one of my first interviews uh, with the newspaper i had uh in california ontario california was uh Dusty Baker uh, of the Dodgers, who's now the manager of the Houston Astros. And, uh, wow, what stuff uh, went on there last night. And, and I love a game at Fenway. Uh, I'm old school, like I said. You know, uh, boxing at the Olympic Auditorium was always one of my favorite things. Uh, I love the old stadiums. Uh, I was a vendor at Shea for many years. And uh, ju- just love the feel of uh, old ballparks. Uh, I was just recently at Keeneland Racecourse, uh real cathedral of thoroughbred racing, and old school type of stuff. But, you um, know, it, it was uh, great going out to uh, Dodger Stadium. And and experiencing uh what was going on here. But there was nothing I, I think like Fenway Park with the pesky pole and then of course the Green Monster. You you forget what a nuisance the pesky pole is, uh, Luby. Yeah, they not talk a about pop-up. that pop up. The first baseman is cracking his body into the wall. Oof. And uh, you know, you can hear John Sterling saying uh, it's popped up uh, and uh, sure enough, it, it ends up in the stands there. Well, what is that? Like 265 in right field? It, it's got to be what? 290 something? Maybe 301? Yeah, it's like nothing. What is the, uh, what is the designation on that? Fenway Park.
0: Right field
2: fence. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah.
1: Uh, 297 was Yankee Stadium. I think it's 301. Yeah, used to hook her a lot around the uh, pesky pole there. You know, name for the great Johnny pesky, but how much fun is it watching a ball game in there? Isn't it like, uh, watching uh, a racquetball tournament? I mean, when the guys are up there with the bats, I mean, they're bouncing them off the green monster as if, uh, you know, it was a sidewall and you were Marty Hogan in there going for
2: another world champion. Good job by you. It's 302 fantastic. feet. Good job by you. 302. Okay. Good job. You're close.
1: Well, the Yankees used to hit a lot of home runs in yes. there. They had some great yes. left-handed bats uh, back in uh, another uh, heated rivalry between the Red Sox and the Yankees. But the uh, Red Sox and the Astros, pretty good series so far. Uh, nobody could complain about What's going on? And here are the Red Sox nursing a 2-1 lead. Luby, did you watch any of this game last night? Uh, 2-1 lead right to the wire. Yeah. And it looks like they're going to do it. And Altuve hits a home run. Did you hear anybody drumming in the background? No. Because no. it would be easy to sneak a camera into the center field area and start stealing some signs there. Carball,
2: Jose. Look for the dose. It would be. No, I, I I haven't heard any background noise during the Astros play recently. I don't know in the last few years, but I know recently it's been very quiet when they're playing.
1: You're hearing Ginger Baker <laughs> playing Toad in the background. John Goodfimes Bonham, if he was alive today, would no doubt be part of the uh, psychological staff of the Houston Astros. Oh, no, he's an assistant coach. Yeah. No, the guy with the long hair. <laughs> The guy with the long <laughs> great. But that was good I stuff. Know. And uh Houston rallys now gets back into that series. So uh, you can't really – postseason baseball is really delivering so far this year. The wild card games were sensational. And uh now you have uh, these great series going on. And the Dodgers dead in the water. The fans were leaving, Luby. They were Ooh. pouring out of Chavez Ravine. Yeah, you know them. They couldn't wait to get out of there and get uh, out uh, onto the 101 and the 110 and I-5. Yeah, and head done. wherever they were going. Yeah, we're going to Diamond Bar. going to take a couple of hours if we wait for the game to end. Which it looked like it was over, did it not? Even Mary Hart had the flowers in the punch.
2: It felt done. Yeah, it felt over.
1: Cody Bellinger, a 163 hitter.
2: Out of nowhere. Were
1: Tanya Lasorda alive today, he would have said about Bellinger this year, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. (laughs) (laughs) You think I'm going to throw in a 160 hitter like Bellinger or Bavakwa? Exactly. No way. So uh, he comes up to the plate, hits a dramatic three-run homer. And uh, then they get another base hit, uh, and uh, Mookie Betts drives in a run with a shot in the gap. And the Dodgers are suddenly up 6-5. They bring in uh, Kenley Jansen, and he's coming into the tune of... Here comes my 19th nervous breakdown. He's (laughs) up and down, is he not, (laughs) Kenley Jansen? You don't know if he's going to be throwing baseballs up there at 100 miles an hour that are striking people out or coconuts. Coconuts. (laughs) As if he was having a little mock game on Gilligan's Island. And uh, he comes in, strikes out the side, so the Dodgers, I mean, on the brink of death. Was that the last-minute call from the governor, Luby? It's Are something. you kidding me? Hey, Whitey, no, don't pull the switch. <laughs> I got the governor on the phone. He says, uh, hold off on that. There's another appeal. It was over, man, 5-2. Uh, the fans were leaving, and uh they come back and win that ballgame dramatic fashion. So now 2-1 in the series, and everybody's thinking they're going to win game four uh, against the Atlanta Braves, who I was going to take before the season, Luby, at about I think they were six or seven to one to win the World Series. Did that seem like a generous price?
2: It was a good price. had an chance. I mean, they had Acuna at the time, so that's why you probably didn't even get a better price for what they were going in, in the postseason. I get it, they added a lot of pieces, but still, Acuna is up there with Tatis Jr. and Trout is one of the best players in baseball. To not have him, you should have got a better number, but yeah, where they are right now, they, they are. So, not the favor to win at all. I'd put them up there with. I. I that rotation is is stellar, and the lineup has actually come along. Where the Braves could be the favorite. So you, it sucks that you actually didn't put that bet down because you you be in a nice position right now. Of
1: course, I didn't put it down. That's why <laughs> they're gonna win. I mean, you're gonna be assured of that.
2: It's
1: like that guy we talk about from Vegas Sports Information Network, Greg Peterson and the Brett Musburger <laughs> Barry America campaign, where every day he tells you a team to win in in a baseball uh, on a baseball calendar, and every day it seems like he loses. At least when I pick up the paper. Of course. And uh, you know, of course, uh, he had. He had the Braves last night. looks like he was a winner. He was in the winner's circle. He was ready to put a wreath around the horse and uh say, hey, congratulations. You just won the Kentucky Derby. And then, bam, there goes a home run from a guy hitting the buck 63. Incredible. All right. Uh, this is some of what we do here on the Believe Podcast Network, and we're so happy to be a part of it. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. If you guys are finding the show, hope you enjoyed our interviews with John Feinstein and Cody Rhodes, Eleanor Lambert coming up on today's podcast, and stick around for that. I'm Jeff DeForest, and he is Mike Luby Lubitz.
2: The NBA is back. Hooray! More after this. Recently we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? Yes, it's the middle of the football season, so pigskin is on our minds. Be it the pros or college, this time of year is football central. However, the NBA did tip off the 2021-2022 campaign Tuesday night. Now, the sport really doesn't feel in full swing until around Christmas, maybe even the All-Star break sometime in February. But there is a lot of intriguing storylines to go around this year. First, let's start with the defending champs. Yes, the Bucks won the title. Do you remember that? You no, know, it felt like they were just the last one standing due to massive injuries across the league, yet they did win the ring. They returned most of their team and an even stronger Giannis. Can they win when the other powers are actually healthy? Is their question. The Sixers seem to have a two-headed mo- juggernaut in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, until Ben Simmons became scared to touch the ball in the fourth quarter and now wants out of Philly. The Nets are dealing with Kyrie's strong and strange stance on the COVID vaccine the heat have added kyle lowry and some toughness the hawks are now full of expectations and the next look to make back-to-back playoff appearances and that's just the east out west the lake show has brought out west the lake show has brought in russell westbrook and carmelo anthony hoping aid brings them another chip the suns are a year older and a year wiser the warriors hope to have a healthy clay back, and the jazz look to build on last year's strong season plus the nuggets and clippers Hope health isn't an issue for another season. Luby's Law for today is yes, football reigns supreme, especially this time of the year. But it does feel good to have round ball back in our lives. With all these intriguing storylines out there, I'm curious to see where the NBA world turns this season. This is Luby's Law.
1: And uh, it's always great to uh, be among the great when it comes to the profession uh, of uh, entertainment uh, and acting. Welcome to the show on the Believe Podcast Network, Jeff DeForest and one Mike Luby-Lubitz. Yes, it's a pleasure sir. to welcome this young lady to the program as uh, we are joined right now by the uh, outstanding actress and uh, the daughter of two famous uh, people in the profession as well as uh, we welcome Eleanor Lambert to the program. Eleanor, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Hi, thank Thank you. Thanks for
0: that
1: beautiful introduction. Wow. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on the show and we have a lot of things to get into. Uh, our, our general, uh, you know, field of uh, conversation is sports and it's interesting in sports when you see uh, an athlete competing that was the son or daughter of uh, especially two great sports performers on their own. And we've seen many people get into the acting field uh, that were uh, also the offspring of famous actors and actresses. Uh, in your case, uh, Diane Lane, who uh, everybody loves. Uh, man, I mean, uh, was she great in *A Perfect Storm*? Uh, that 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 almost made me want to become a fisherman. <laughs> uh, the fact that uh, she was uh, with Wahlberg uh, in that movie—fantastic—and uh, she's been in so many great things. Uh, and uh, and of course, Christopher Lambert. Um, a- a- if you can, I'm sure you've been asked this many, many times. It's not like I'm James Lipton here, but. Uh, uh, what what was that like in, in terms of uh, your own nurturing I- into the acting field?
3: Well, it's funny, you know, because my experience with acting or my conceptualization of acting as a child was either my parents' job or pure, unadulterated, like, entertainment. Because, I mean, with the exception of, of course, I, I, I have seen some classic films, but... My experience of the movies and and films was my dad and I would just go and see, like, Transformers or Crank 2 or (laughs) just the most, like, action-packed, entertainment-focused films, you know? So it was, like, total fun and silliness or just, like, I don't know, whatever my parents were doing when they go away for two months. And it wasn't until much, much, much later in my life that I took on the understanding that acting is a total art form and a really amazing way of expressing the human condition. And so, you know, I was very late, very late to the game (laughs) compared to uh, everybody else. Um, And so, yeah, it wasn't until I was about, gosh, I don't know, 22 or 23 or four, somewhere around my early 20s that I was, I, I started dating someone who I'm actually still with and he's an actor as well. And he would get, sent um his size and scripts and he would just disappear into this like world and I was like, Where the hell are you going? Like, what's going on here? It's like, I got my size. It's like I don't know what that means. And he sort of he brought me into the world of acting as an art form So I hope that answers
1: your question. Eleanor Lambert, uh guessing with us here. And they believe podcast networks uh, now, uh, as a young uh, deForest, uh, I went from growing up in New York and uh, ventured on to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, seeking to follow the sun and and uh, follow whatever my dream yeah. was at the time, which was to become a sports writer and believe it or not, uh, it ended up happening and and here we are fifty yeah. years later, still <laughs> needing to work yeah. my God, but still loving <laughs> it uh now you, you <laughs> had the opposite route you, you went from l a to New <laughs> York, and I would imagine that uh I mean, I, I couldn't have felt more free. I was wearing earth shoes and smoking a lot of weed and working at a vegetarian restaurant and, and uh, trying to get involved in health. Uh, what was it like to go from West Coast to East Coast as a young lady, Eleanor Lambert?
3: I just have to say that it's so L.A. I love
1: it, working at a vegetarian restaurant, smoking a lot of weed. Like <laughs> <laughs> um- <laughs> This is years
0: ago. That's that, L.A. Years
3: ago. That's <laughs> right, right. Um... You know, I I was a bit jaded when I moved out here. I was 17. I had spent lots of time. You know, I spent the summer here. My godmother was here. My mom grew up here, so we would come out here a lot. And I was like, oh, LA is a big city. New York's a big city. I can I can do this. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, obviously, because New York is New York, and it does not mess around. So for the first few years, it was a, it was a I will say it was a difficult transition for me. And then slowly but surely, you know, the city just swallows you whole. And you come out and you're like, I guess, you're like, oh my God, what? do I like it here now? Damn it. And now it's been 10 years. So, you know, my my boyfriend and I do have some plans to travel a little for the next year. But this has just become home. It just has. There's nothing I can do about it, much as I try. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's an interesting uh, transition uh, for sure, uh, and uh, it, you, you come out of NYU, and, and I guess while you were there, and, and this is of great interest to me, uh, looking at some of the things uh, about your life, uh, Eleanor Lambert, uh, you became a music critic for the Village Voice? Wow. That had to be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that that's big-time yeah, stuff there. Absolutely. What were you covering? I mean, was, uh, were you was... going to see grunge bands, and what was going on on the New York music scene <laughs> back then?
3: Um it was totally kismet. A, a friend of mine who I was in a couple writing classes with was the assistant to the editor of the Village Voice and she ended up getting a sick job at the Rolling Stone. And so she she asked me if I would like to take over her job and I was just like, Uh, let me I still to have to think about that. I'm just kidding. I jumped at it. I was so excited and <laughs>
0: yeah. around this
3: time it was it was just before um, electronic dance music like really exploded and I've been listening to electronic dance music since you know high school since before it really came across from the from the EU and um so I ended up I'm a 19 year old who just got this sick job working at the Village Boys and nobody there was covering dance music so I got to go and interview some of my favorite DJs so at at this moment in my life where I was going to every show I could possibly go to I'm interviewing Fiesto, and Armin Vinturin, wow. and Eric Chris and T.T. Tong, like, the legends of their craft, and it was, it was probably the coolest, like, some of the coolest stuff I've ever done, and, so yeah, I would interview them and write some pieces, and, yeah, it was all the coolest. And I got to go. To, got yeah. to go to shows for free. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: well, that's the best part uh, about being a <laughs> sports. We always wanted to become the food critic if we were going to transition uh, into uh, some kind of uh, writing job. Uh, Eleanor Lambert is our guest here, and uh, she has a new piece of work mm-hmm. out called "Time Now," and uh, give us a little insight into uh, what this film is all about. Oh, me. Yeah, hello. Um, so this film <laughs> is about the movie. It's about you. know what <laughs> what about the movie, <laughs> you, Eleanor Lambert? <laughs> The PR people are probably behind ah. you going, hey, what, what, are you,
3: what are you talking about, <laughs> Trevor, and electronic <laughs> music? Push the movie.
1: World. It's coming out, Eleanor. Is
3: yeah, so this is why I do need a PR person. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway, so Time Now is a film that focuses on uh, Jenny, who is one of three triplets. And at 17, she experiences a familial tragedy. One of her brothers um, dies tragically, and then she runs away from home and then her remaining brother um, passes away unexpectedly, and she comes home after having been gone for about five to seven years. Seven years is what we sort of landed on, Um, and it's a story about how it very much follows Jenny, but through her, you meet so many different people. You meet her family, you meet her brothers. Uh, her late brother's friends she sort of enmeshes herself in his world and for me I think that this um, film is really a a story of how people respond to trauma and how differently everybody is responding to one single event and you really get to see a, a wide variety of responses and ways of processing or avoiding processing tragedy and the, and the trauma that comes with it and Jenny's been running from her feelings pretty much since she was 17 so you see her sort of attempting to engage with the world around her and it comes out very 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 sideways Jenny that's what drew me to Jenny Jenny is so human in her strangeness and her out of how out of adjustment she is to everything around her you know so that's what I would say to him now is that most part
1: Brilliant stuff. And uh, Eleanor Lambert, uh, we appreciate you coming on our podcast here on the show. Uh, We're going to check out Time Now because we've been dealing with trauma. Yay. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we we, we just got canned from our other jobs uh, and we already have jobs, so we we feel pretty good about it. And uh, we thank you so much for being a part of our program. Thank you so, so, so much. This is a
3: lovely chat.
2: Uh, Good luck. Thank you.
1: Destination Sport Miami is here to revolutionize the sports landscape in South Florida. The largest indoor multifaceted sports complex in North America is on the way. With distinguished leaders of its various sports programs and unparalleled access to the finest indoor training fields and facilities, Destination Sport Miami will set South Florida apart as the destination of choice for elite athletic training and development and for its dedication to youth programs and sports on all levels. A phenomenal concept and a powerful undertaking, Destination Sport Miami will also be an important commodity in the sports business community as well. Destination Sport Miami, it's time has come. The championship meet is right around the corner at Gulfstream Park, the only place for live racing. Gulfstream's action has never been hotter, whether it's on the track, in the casino, or part of the dining and entertainment offered at the village of Gulfstream Park. Currently running Thursday through Sunday, Gulfstream's racing package is the best in the country with all the top horses and people in the game pointing towards another tremendous winter season. Check out the remodeled First Floor Casino, open seven days and nights a week, along with the many special events and concerts happening at Gulfstream Park. You can place your wagers from anywhere at firstbet.com. Check the calendar of events at gulfstreampark.com. Hey there, it's Mike Mayo. Do you like steaks? Do you like seafood? Do you like classic old Florida charm? You can get that all more at Tropical Acres Steakhouse and Butcher Shop. It's at 2500 Griffin Road in Dania, just west of 95. The Studi Alley family, they've been running the place a long time. It's been there more than 70 years. And it is now a place you can get early bird specials along with steaks to take home and throw on the grill yourself at the butcher shop. That's open 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day. It's open for dinner every night starting at 4.30, but they are closed on Sundays. Go to Tropical Acres. It's a place to go for a great meal, great people, good value, Tropical Acres. Buy or lease a house and take it to the house at Deal Volkswagen. Anna and her team make your next VW purchase or lease so easy With new inventory rolling in daily and the biggest selection of certified pre-owned vehicles in the business. You can make your deal online at dealvolkswagen.com or visit the beautiful showroom in the classic location, 3601 Bird Road, right in the heart of the Gables. Or give Anna and the team at Deal a call at 305-448-DEEL. Jettas, Passats, Tiguan's, Atlas models and the hottest vehicle in the industry, the new Taos, all at unbeatable prices and all ready to roll off the showroom floor at the number one Volkswagen dealership around, Deal Volkswagen. Since day one of old school, we've had Catholic Health Services be part of our family. They are recognized as the quintessential rehab facility in the southeast for strokes, but it goes well beyond strokes because Catholic Health Services is in the community of South Florida to help the community stay healthy, and if they're not healthy, get them healthy and get them back on their feet quicker than they could have ever expected. They do it every single day. It's step and repeat 24-7 Catholic Health Services.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.